Thanks for joining us for another amazing message from C3 Church Calgary. Our hope is that our podcast will equip and connect you to Jesus. Now prepare your hearts to receiving something new from God today. Amazing. Well, it is a pleasure to be here and especially with you guys. Thank you very much. Doing a great job there. I am uh, going to embark on a, a, a message. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. You're good too, but, you know, we're, we're okay. Uh, give these guys a hand, would you? It's... What's up? The conference. The reason I'm here. Yeah, the reason I'm here is to come to this church, and so we added on a conference. Yeah, I said, I, I, let's go to Calgary Church, but uh, I got to have an excuse for going there, so to, to get my airfare paid for, you know, like uh, out, of, out of the global budget. And because uh, you guys, you contribute, believe it or not, to a global budget, uh, like out of here. He, and part of these guys' responsibility is to make sure the all the, uh, how many churches did you say there? 14. All the 14 Canadian churches are all, contributing as well. And we have a really, like, compared to some denominations, they're like charging 10% of undesignated income. Well, we, we don't, we know we're even near that. Not even, we're about like less than a third of that. And, uh, and so, but we try to run a, a budget so that we're looking after all of our churches around the world. And in some ways, you're also uh, subsidizing some of the areas in the world that are a little poorer uh, because we got 65 churches in Uganda now. And uh, just boom, like that. Uh, they, they, you know, and, and we built hospitals there. And, well, they're not kind of hospitals. They're like houses that look after uh, child brides of Joseph Coney. I don't know if you've heard of him. Uh, Children of God, uh, which is a false name, obviously. Uh, uh, the Lord's Army, they call themselves. And, and they will often take children, uh, young, young women, and you make them brides of their soldiers and they get pregnant and then they don't know what to do with them. They kick them out. We take them into this house where they don't have an abortion. They're able to have their baby and we raise them. And because we do it through the church, uh, they get connected into the house of God and it helps, helps their lives get changed. So that's, that's just one of the things uh, uh, about Five months ago, we started 27 churches in Pakistan in one week. And uh, uh, yeah, on one day, uh, it taken a lot of work to get to that point. It was about five years of training, etc. But we had 8,000 people on the very first day in those different locations around Pakistan. And yeah, you know, it's... Uh, and, and Pakistan is one of the most dangerous places to be a Christian today. Uh, you, don't, you don't really identify, yeah, I'm a Christian, and go down the street singing hymns and songs. You, you die for doing that. And, so, and, and when people come to Christ, they're very serious because they know if they get baptized, that's it. They won't, they won't be part of that family that they've been in uh, ever again. So, so all I'm saying is that you're helping us get to a thousand churches uh, around the world. We're at about 100, 540 right now. Uh, two years ago, we were about 380. So there are day there. There have been days uh, in the last year when we were starting three churches a day, 
And uh, that's what you are part of, uh, which is, you know, I'm, I, f- I feel very privileged to be part of an amazing thing that God is doing all around the world. And uh, I feel very privileged to be able to do life with Lorne and Kelly Tebbett and with fellow fine Canadians like yourself. I mean, we only let really, really good people, uh, the best kind of people into C3. So thanks for being here. And uh, it's, it's such a pleasure to, to be doing life together, even though we don't know each other that well. Uh, you know, we'll have plenty of time in heaven, I'm sure. And uh, just hold off that for a little while anyway. Well, there are days when my death wish is a little higher and, I, you know, you, you kind of think, oh, it would be good if it was today, but, uh, uh, but, uh, but not today. Amen. I'm feeling okay. And uh, no heart attacks in the pulpit, no, uh, no nervous breakdowns. Not today anyway. Amen. Maybe tomorrow. And tomorrow we are actually, we, we were going to go on a Harley ride. Your pastor, he, he told me, we're going on a Harley ride. And I'm, I'm pumped about that. I got, I got, I ride Harleys. And, uh, and so I get here and I'm, I'm, you know, that's going to be the high, you know, other than coming to church on Sunday morning, I think, <laughs> of course, <laughs> and uh, that, that'll be, that'll be just like a highlight. But he says, no, it's too cold. Too cold. I mean, what are you Canadians? Like, come on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is too cold. I agree. I, I go cycling sometimes, and I think my eyeballs are going to freeze uh, when, I'm in, when I'm in Australia, but that's another story. I better get down to preaching here and, and tell you uh, something, something about uh, what we're talking about. I, I thought it would be good if we came into your series that you're doing called The Born Identity. Uh, well, the, uh, you're talking about identity. And so I'm going to just jump into that, and it's a pretty... It's a pretty dense uh, message. Is that word okay here? Like, mean it's it's solid, not like in some places when you say dense, it means duh. Uh, like, you're not that bright. Uh, yeah, it doesn't mean that here. Okay, uh, but just to let you know, you can go and get some peace today uh, if you buy this book. Uh, and when we survey our church and ask them. What are some of the things you want us to talk about? Inevitably, at the top of the list is, how do I handle stress? Or in, in other words, how do I raise children? Or, or, yeah, or how do I handle my husband? You know, it's like, that's what, but this is about peace. And if, if, if we need anything in a, in a world today, it's that and this, hope. Finally, you can buy hope. And uh, this, this is, you know, it's just good to get a hold of. Uh, the World Health Organization tells us the suicide now is uh, around number three uh, in terms of cause of death. That's just, 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 just terrible. Just, just I, can't, I, I, I cannot believe that. In Australia, this year, 3,000 people will take their lives and 2,500 will be men. And most of them will be aged between, between 15 and 25. I just, I, I just cannot believe that. That's one of the reasons I'm on television. I, I've been preaching on television for a long time. And uh, yeah, 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 okay, I'm one of those televangelists. And, uh, but don't worry, I'm not one of those televangelists, okay? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I, I preach on television. Because I'm talking, I, I get letters from people who say, uh, I'm in financial problem. A farmer in New South Wales, in our, in our state, he, 
no, no rain for seven years, drought. His wife left him because they couldn't keep her in, in the style she wanted to be kept. He's going to lose the farm. His kids are gone. His wife's gone. He's sitting in front of the TV set all night long with a shotgun under his chin, ready to pull the trigger, take his life. And there I am. Come on, up past five in the morning. Good, Jesus loves you. There's hope. And, I, and, and he, he didn't. And he wrote me a letter and said, you helped save my life. And uh, I asked Jesus in my life, and I'm, I'm going okay now. If, if, if all the TV shows I'd ever done were just for that one moment, it was worth it. But there are literally thousands that get hope from hearing about Jesus. I mean, that's all that's, all that's got to happen to kill off that demon of darkness and despair. Uh, this book, Faith, is, is, is a really important book, actually. Uh, it's important because apparently... Uh, people are not getting into heaven unless they've read it. And uh, first heresy for the day. All right. There's a few more coming, but uh, that's, you know, uh, no, you, this will hit. Yeah, it will help you. It was the first book I ever wrote. And, uh, and then this one is my latest book, Leadership 101. Really thin book, How to Become a Leader While You Drink a Cappuccino. I mean, you, that, that you'd read it by the time you've... And this book, probably one of the most important fun doctrines of the New Testament. Uh, when I say fun, because it's designed to elevate you into uh, new levels of living. And so I'm going to kind of talk through that here this morning. So Lord, help me articulate what you put in my heart to your people, these magnificent Canadian people here in this house, living for God, living for Jesus, faithful to you, the blessed, the, the God-ordained company of people who are going to change the world. In Jesus' name, Father, bless this word. And everybody said, amen. amen. Okay, the born identity. Uh, I'm going to start in James 1, verse 22 uh, to 23. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. He observes himself, goes away, immediately forgets. What kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. I want us all to, are you, you okay if I just get you to say things? Just pretend you're in children's church all over again. We're going to say it together. Okay, like this one. Let's try it with attitude. This one will be blessed. Wow, you guys are good. In what he does. Let's try it one more time. This one will be blessed in what he does. Okay, so I'm, I'm ready to take that not only as an individual, but also as a married couple. This one marriage will be blessed in what it does. Or as a family, this one family. Or as a church, this one church. Or as a movement, this movement will be blessed in what we do. So I've got to figure out what one this is. But there's, there's, there's a few bits and pieces of, of amazing wisdom in the book of James. It's like the New Testament Proverbs. Okay, so 
The first thing is, this one will be blessed. It doesn't say that. It says, this one will be blessed in what he does. You got to do some doing to get some blessing. You know, so I, I know people who are waiting to get blessed, but they're not doing anything. You got to do something to get the, the doing blessed. And, and so, so if you're a doer, if you're, if you're an active person with a bias towards action, which, which is definitely my, my kind of personality, I just want to be doing things all the time. I hate wasting a second. I don't like wasting any time. So I'm writing books when I'm driving in a car, when I'm sitting on a plane. I've written 17 books and most of them I rewrite like five times before I actually publish the thing. I paint 150 paintings a year. Uh, I run a movement of 540 churches. I got my own church that I'm looking after, which has got 11 locations and 31 services a weekend. I, I kind of keep a little busy. Oh, that's right. I got a family too. My God. You know, with beautiful little demon, uh, children and, uh, you know, the whole. And, 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 you know, then there's a bunch of other things that I do privately just to try and, you know, keep myself active in written books. I think you should read about 40 to 50 books a year. I think you should try and get involved in passive income exercises, uh, you know, and there's a, there's a whole bunch of life to be lived and a whole bunch of blessing to get blessed with. And you, got, you cannot afford to live the entitled life thinking, God's just going to bless me if I just sit around and do nothing. If you do nothing, nothing's going to happen. Uh, and, and, and so here's, here's, here's another side to this coin. I'm so enjoying preaching this. It could be a long message, you know because I'm not even gotten onto the first slide yet, and there's like 73 slides, you know, but no, there's not. Uh, but it's, it's like this one will be blessed in what he does. Does that mean, and it does, does that mean that you can be cursed in what you do? Does that, if it means you could be blessed in what you do, or there could be nothing on what you do, or you could be cursed in what you do. Because I know highly skilled people, very good at what they do, very educated and empowered and connected and skilled and talented, but doesn't work. Their best effort doesn't work. They, made, they, made, they, they cannot understand why isn't this working. Now, 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 now here's, here's another little misnomer I want to try and correct. Some of us think just because I'm a Christian, it should work. I should be blessed. I received Jesus. My life should be blessed. No, you received Jesus to find out how to live properly. Okay, so just having Jesus in your life isn't like that's going to fix everything up. You can have Jesus in your life and still be a negative person and still be a sin, sinful person, still really do all sorts of you know, things that you, you, know, you shouldn't do. So you got to take a step from receiving Him as Savior to making Him Lord. Okay, so, so Jesus is your Savior. Yeah, He saved me from my sins. I'm not going to hell. I'm going to go to heaven. But, but now He's also wanting you to learn a new way of living so that He is dictating to you, walk this way, live like this, and you'll be blessed. Keep living like you used to live. I can't, I can't override that. 
and you can't you kind of cover it with a teaching about uh, hyper grace that's going to cover you. You're going to live however you like, and I'm still going to bless you because you asked Jesus in your life. It, he will not violate the basic principles and rules that the universe runs on. And so, and so if you're mystified as to, I got Jesus in my life, but still things are going wrong. Maybe there's a pathway that He is showing you to live on that you've got to say, okay, I, I, I'll make you Lord. And if you make Him Lord, you won't need so much saving. <laughs> I mean, He's your Savior, but He don't want to be your Savior every Sunday. Like, yeah, here I am again. Jesus, oh, I messed up all week long. You know, just please help me get rid of these demons. I forgive me. Oh, God, you know. And then, and then he saves you. You go, oh, thank you. I got peace again. And you come back the next week. He said, somewhere along the line, we've got to stop going around in circles. We want you to actually get on a walk that takes you forward so that you get some traction with some decisions that are going to give you momentum in a right pathway. So that's what this is about. It says, who is this one who gets blessed? It he is he who does not forget who he is. I mean, some of you think you got a bad memory. That can be true, but most of us have got a bad forgettery. We, we, we remember the things we should forget, and we forget the things we should remember. Because our mind likes to obsess with negatives. It's built deep grooves in our thinking, and we, to jump out of that groove into a positive mindset is very difficult for us. And so we find ourselves forgetting who we are. You, you can find out who you are. You're sons of God. You're daughters of, of, of God in heaven. You're, you're, you're royalty. You're, we read it, sang it there this morning. We're blessed. We're, we're, we're people of God. And we go out and then we've got a puncture in our tire. We think, ah, oh, these things always happen to me. And, and suddenly... You're, you're speaking about your life as though you're a person who's not blessed. And you forget who you are. So this is, really, this is really, really important, this thing. Because this is where the devil is going to attack you. This is the weakest link in the, in the faith chain. Self-image. Who, who do I think I am? It's the weakest link, and it's the, the one area of your identity that the devil's going to press. He did it with Jesus. If you are who he said you were, the Son of God, then prove it to yourself. Do that and just confirm. But you see, it was based on a doubt. And what you act on is what you strengthen. If you act on a doubt, you only strengthen the doubt. If you, if you act on anxiety, you strengthen anxiety. Like if, if you were driving on the way here and you think, did I leave the iron on? And you turn around and you go back. You do that all the time. Did I lock the car? You know, and you see some people jumping out of planes because they think they, they, they didn't feed the cat. And uh, they forgot they did feed the cat. I mean, you, living in that anxious, second-guessing place about your life all the time is only, and then acting on it is only strengthening it. Why don't you just re refuse that neurosis and say, I'm just going to walk. Amen. I'm going to keep on going and not let that doubting of myself rule my world. If you are the Son of God, if you are, if you are blessed by Jesus, then why are you going through this problem? If you are, Jesus never told you you wouldn't go through a problem. 
In fact, having Jesus in your life is probably going to invite twice the number of problems that other people have. If you'd wanted an easy life, you should not have become a Christian. There are plenty of other religions on, on offer that are going to have an easier, easier kind of less problem life. You are swimming upstream, but only dead fish, fish go downstream. Living fish, you know there's Canadians. Those trout, you know, scooping up through the waterfall only to be eaten by a bear. No, well, we, you know, it's like. <laughs> no, but living fish, you got a current to swim against. So Christian amnesia, it's a problem. It, we forget who we are. And therefore, we're not getting blessed in what we do. And so then we start complaining because compla and complaining is the language of victims. Complaining is the language of an entitled personality. Thanksgiving is the antidote to complaining. Fill your mouth with thanksgiving. Thank you, God, for this. Thank you, God, for that. You will transform your thinking in a second. Without just becoming a positive mindset, you'll actually be a, a grateful, humble, thankful mindset which changes your life. And includes God in the process. So when we, when we think, this is my weakest link, i got to reinforce that link regularly. And, and there are so many Bible examples about times when people who had a very poor self-image, they, didn't, they didn't, didn't really believe they could be anything in this life. Churches that didn't, lost their self-image. Ha. Oh. Worst thing a church can do is feel bad about itself because they don't bring anybody along. I have people who bring their friends along even though they go to another church. They go to another church and they want to get their friends saved, but they don't, won't take them to their church. They bring them to our church because they got a better self-image about our church than about their own church because they feel embarrassed about that. And, and you should never feel embarrassed about this church. This is a great church to bring your friends along to. But you see, if the self-image of a place is poor, then it's like, oh, what if, what if, what if, you know, that happens, or what if this weird thing goes on, or you know. So, but I know these guys are committed to high quality, committed to excellence, and so you can always be confident. But even if it wasn't, the community here of love and of acceptance and of grace is phenomenal, and the leadership culture that is here. I mean, all of those things. You think, yeah, we can bring. Someone into this place, and they're going to discover Jesus. They're going to discover community and love. And you get a great feeling about this house. I do. Anyway, I don't know. I'd bring my friends. If I was living here, I'd come to this church. And, uh, and so, yeah, I might. I might just move. And, uh, and so, and so here's, here's the deal that, that the, the self-image of your world is, is super important because a person who has a bad self-image, un unconsciously, subconsciously repels all kinds of things from their life. When I was growing up in my little town in uh, Masterton, New Zealand, there were, it's a very socialist government, and, uh, and not that it would call itself socialist, but it was like a democracy, but very given to helping out poor people. And, and so they would build homes, beautiful homes, for these people who couldn't get work and who were living on government pensions and 
And my dad, you know, he'd grumble, we'd drive past these houses, because he's paying taxes that are paying for these houses and all this kind of thing. He wasn't happy that, about it because we would drive past in, in six months' time. These beautiful houses would now have crack windows and the grass is this high, paint's coming off, there's old cars piled up in the, for, and, and, and the, the people are sitting on the step all drinking cans of beer and whatever else and nobody's at work because their environment needed to reflect how they were feeling about themselves on the inside. To be, to be living in a flash house with, with all this nice furniture, just there was no resonance. Do you know what I'm saying? So, so we will bring down our environment to how we are on the inside or elevate our environment. Conversely, I've seen people go into a dump but because they walk nobly on the inside and have a healthy self-image, they can make that place look like a palace. And it's tidied up and they're looking great. And, and so there is, a, there is a very real issue about who we are on the inside is going to create the world that we live in all around us. And that's, you know, another message. But how beautiful is this earth? That tells you what God is like. That tells you everything that the Father is like, just like that. And, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm not an evolutionist. I just think he created it like that. Amen. And, and, and it's the expression of God, not a child of an evolutionary mutant adaption program, you know. So, which is, you know. Anyway, moving right along. Let's get off that or else I'll get upset. All right. You know, the, when I looked up amnesia as a, as a deal, uh, I found 129 movies have been made on the subject of amnesia. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Total Recall, Memento, Dark City, 51st Dates. That sounds like hell, doesn't it? You know, like Long Kiss Goodnight and The Born Identity. Yeah, there was that one. And then uh, the, one I, the one I like the, mo the, the most is, is, is Iron Man, this, this guy. Remember him? Uh, I don't know if we're able to play it up here, but... Uh, Yes, go for it. Lots of volume. Okay, so uh, <laughs> just about like going to the movies. That's the thing is that you find all the superheroes in the movies, I believe, are reflecting a, a very deep subconscious desire to be clothed with something because all the superheroes get their powers from something they put on. Uh, if it's Superman jumping into a telephone box and putting on his clothes with his underpants on the outside. I mean, he's got that cape on, and suddenly he's got superpowers. Even Jackie Chan, he can walk on the ceiling in a tuxedo if he's got the tuxedo suit on. 
uh, and all of them, Spider-Man, the whole lot, they got they got to put something on, and then suddenly they're super, they got superpowers. But that is an ache that every one of us have, right from the Garden of Eden. This is an ancient, ancient philosophy that God wanted to clothe us with the skin of a sacrifice. Because a lamb was sacrificed, and instead of that fig leaf that, that Adam was trying to cover himself with, little did he know that there was a thing called autumn or fall, when leaves start to fragment and your, your covering is gone, baby. You know, he needed, he, he needed clothing from God. And it was the clothing of the sacrifice. An animal has died to atone for their sin, but now this. And so you come into the New Testament, there's 147 references to the fact that we are in Him. We are in Christ. And that is where the entire New Testament is meant to be lived. That you are like Iron Man. Every day you're praying, you're putting on Christ. You're living in the self-image of the one who came from heaven and now nothing is impossible to you who believe. You're a new species of being, the Bible says. The Bible says we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus, Ephesians 2.10. So let me take you to a little story uh, a number of years ago where uh, I guess, I guess the, the, the sense of, of who we are is reflected and is a reflection of who we see God as. If we think God is boring, then we're going to be boring because we will conform to the image of the God that we worship. That's a basic principle. People who worship idols will end up being like the idols. It's, it, you just reflect the God you worship. So, so if we have an imagination that God is boring, the whole, and the whole church sometimes has just looked boring. I was so disappointed when I was seeking God and I found out that God was the God of the Christians because I hated Christians. Oh, golly, I didn't, don't have to become one of them, do I? I love you, Jesus. You know, you, you can save me, but please save me from your followers. It's, they were like, I did not want to be one of them. They, they, they just didn't seem to have their act together. They were not funny. They were not fun. There was just nothing about the whole Christian world that attracted me in any way at all. I'd been to a couple of midnight masses just for the, because of the chemicals we were swallowing and the stained glass windows and everything looked pretty cool. You know, it's like, but, but, uh, but, not, but for any other thing, no, I wanted some exotic Eastern mystical religion uh, where, you, where, you, where you, it was all way out and like the Beatles. And so, so to find out that God was the God of the Christians was disappointing to me. And, and one of my quests, being a believer, was to create a Christianity that more reflected Scripture and God in heaven than our traditions. And, and so I didn't want my traditions to make of none effect the living Word of God in today. And so I read a story maybe 15 years ago where they restored the Sistine Chapel ceiling, uh, which was painted by Michelangelo. I was going to be an artist before I met the Lord. And, uh, and so we had to study church, uh, art history. And, and there were all kinds of historian comments about the ceiling uh, that Michelangelo had, had painted. And 
because the colors were so subdued and brown and ochre and the, 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 their, their summation of it was that Michelangelo saw God as withdrawn from the world, subdued in nature, uh, dull in character and didn't want to be extroverted or in any way flamboyant. And so uh, when they began to bring, they brought this Japanese ferment to suck the impurities out of the, the plaster where, where the painting had been put onto this fresco. That, and, and as they started taking it out, they discovered something. And I've got just four slides here that take you from, that was what it looked like originally. And that was what it looked like at the end of the restoration. They discovered that, that Michelangelo had actually used the most brilliant colors you can actually find to describe God. But down below, there were candles burning and the soot from the candles over the years had gone up and, and corrupted the fresco and, and it had become permeated with dark colors and it had discolored the entire, the entire painting. And, and that is the problem. The smoke of our religion has ascended and discolored God in heaven so that we, we, we no longer think that God is colorful and, and a, like a party animal. We think He is like dull and He's the heavenly killjoy. You don't want to invite God to your party. He's just the divine wet blanket, baby. Here He's going to come in and go, whoa, the party's over, people. No smiling around here. Thank you very much. No, couldn't be, couldn't be more wrong. God had a party all the time. In the Jewish calendar, it's like 360 parties a year. There's, there's four really, really big ones. Huge, like everybody's got to come to town and we're going to have six weeks of partying, celebrations, all kinds of things. God is a dancing God. God is a youthful God. God is a happy God. He's a smiling God. He's not a judgmental God up there ready to beat the next person over the head. He is not looking for that. That is a strange act for God. The Bible says that. No, God is the God who greets His Son when He comes home, running down the street. And the kid is said, man, I've been such a bad kid. God, he's going to be so upset with me. He's expecting that father as he runs towards him. He's thinking, no, he's running towards me. He thinks he's going to pull a shotgun out of the back of his thing. Get off my property, you rotten kid. You've stolen all my money, spent all my money on prostitutes. You've made us embarrassed and ashamed at home. Get out of here. Nothing like that. That's what we anticipate. There's no shotgun. There's just open arms. There's just open arms, people. He hugs him and he kisses him. It's that older brother that that has been sucking on sour grapes all day long. Here I am, I work for you, and you never held a party for me. He said, son, you could have had a party anytime. There's plenty of calves around the place. The father instantly had a party with singing and songs. The house of God should be a, a joyful place. Ministers should be joyful people. How do you ever see ministers portrayed on the television? I mean, they're like, down, I've heavy got a 40-pound Bible under here, and they're Look miserable. I can tell the preachers at an airport. They're just miserable. You know, they're sitting over there in the corner and their wife's like, you know, like she gets theologically beaten up every day and they're, they're dressed in the most dowdy old clothes and they go off, you know, like too holy to talk to anybody. I think, what is wrong with you? 
Jesus had people all around him, all kinds of people. You got to love Jesus, don't you? Even today, when nobody's even met him or seen him, he still sends out that vibration that he's approachable, that he's here for you and me, for healing to take place. And, and he wants to restore any damage to that self-image. There are a lot of people have told, told us all, you're hopeless, you're useless. So many haters in the world today. Man, I got whole websites dedicated to hating me, you know. Uh, and and just, just nobody wants to believe that, the, that God could be so positive and could be so good and so incredibly loving and wonderful. They want a God who's mean and, and, and ugly. But I'm telling you that he's not like that at all. He's your father. He's, and if you had a bad experience with your dad, this, there's nothing like that. He's, he says, hey, come to me and we'll look after you. And you know, like in a, in, in a couple of seconds, I'm just going to ask you if you've never asked the Lord to come into your life, I'd really like you to be able to do that. If you've been away from God, I'd love you to come back. Today's the day to do that. You might have drifted for some reason. Who knows? Just found yourself drifting. I want you to come back. I want you to return to the Lord. And you'll find that He's there for you. You might not be sure you're going to heaven. I know, I know people who go to church. A lot of people go to church, but they, they're, not, they're not certain they're going to heaven. If that's you, in a couple of moments, when I ask, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. Just going to ask everybody to close your eyes just as we come to a close here. And if that's you, my friend, if you're saying, I don't know if I'm going to heaven. I hope I am. I think I am. I'm a good person, but I don't know if I am. Or if you've been away from